Today's guest started with 10 watts, and I'm making this up, it's true. He has done a lot. As a matter of fact, he has this background in sports announcing that goes way back. He's done a lot of radio, including production and programming. Loads of experience. Considers himself to be a listener, which I find to be really, that is like the most interesting kind of person. And he loves all kinds of music, which I think a lot of people that are attracted to the radio business have that attraction to music. But look, this person, today's guest, he's even played music himself, and he loves to give back. That's, I think, going to be evident in our conversation with him. You might say he always believes in paying it forward. That sounds like exactly the kind of individual that we really like to talk to on our podcast Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, you could also always find individual episodes at RainmakerPathway.com. Our goal, however you get the show, whether it's through social media or subscribing to our podcast or getting it off of our website, our goal always remains to encourage radio pros at all levels. That is why we do the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, listen, you already know we have a fresh weekly episode that we feature a radio pro active in our business each Sunday. Now, look, this isn't about the past. It's not about talking about what radio used to be. The past is gone. We are all about discovering what's working today, right now. And to enjoy our podcast, you only need to be interested in others. Be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead, and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. I swear I learn something every single week. I hope you do too. Each week, we have an opportunity for you and for me to see a snapshot of an individual in our business that allows us to see radio from a different perspective, maybe a different career arc than yours or mine, and hear how they're embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves, RPC. Every single person that you probably know in the radio business, they know that every programming consultant on our business kind of focuses on music, talent coaching, marketing, and those other programming elements that improve local radio brands. Except one consultant, the one exception does work on music, of course, talent coaching, marketing, and those programming elements known to improve local radio brands. But we also help local radio owners and managers who sometimes feel alone leverage those improvements for more sales and bigger revenue growth. In addition to our on-air talent coaching, we also help local owners and managers with the talent that they worry about the most, their sales team. Even our name means Pathway to Money, Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. When you go to work with us, we go to work with local radio clients. They follow our collaborative process. Their revenue and their profit margin rises. That's the goal. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Do you have enough ideas to intrigue the clients that you really want for your future? Are your local radio stations really programmed and updated? and position to collect the most revenue in your market today? Very interesting questions. Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? We can help you schedule a meetup. 
by email. First consultation is free and confidential, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Listen, we're less than a minute away from welcoming Warren Stevens. He does nights on my 96.7 WDLR, but he's going to teach us some interesting things about connectivity. You're going to love this. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Thanks to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Listen, see what you, your sales manager, individual sellers, programmers, and personalities can get for absolutely free on our website regularly in our free blog section. This is so interesting. We have over 1,000 articles of encouragement. In case you don't know, we're all about that. And we add more each and every week, including our encouraging sales success series and our more than live and local series. You're apt to be surprised when you tune in for that too. Now, let's turn to our guest, Warren. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you? Great. Thanks, Lloyd. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I'm so excited. Listen, I, I want to ask you about your first experience as a radio listener that you can remember. In other words, what was that experience like for you, Warren? We know, you know, in our hometown, I, I grew up in Urbana, in Urbana, Ohio, and we had a local yeah. hometown station that they used to have trivia nights, you know, and it was just a local station there in town. They would have trivia nights where you answer trivia questions, call up and, and you get, you know, little gift certificates to the pizza place there in town. And that was one of my first main experiences, along with um, as a listener, when I was a kid, my mom is originally from Canada. So we used to here and there make the drive up to visit from Columbus, Ohio, uh, where I grew, was born, and we would make the drive up to Winnipeg, Canada, uh, when I was a kid. And to this day, I can remember, and that was back in the 70s, I can remember some of the songs that I would hear just as a kid on that, that, that drive is 1,300 miles. So I, to this Ooh. day, I can remember some of those songs. Interesting. Now, did you eat free pizza? Was that some of your first experience? You won the trivia and, right? Did you do that? Yes, 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 I did. Yeah, and we and just had a great time with that. That's, you know, the family, you know, the family get together and sit around the radio and and, and they had a great time with that. That was that was some of my greatest memories. Absolutely love that. And that shows you that connection that's real informal to the radio business and, and is definitely a part of building trust. Now, let's do this. What was the actual first job for you in the radio business and who did the hiring? Wow, as far as first... As far as first paid gig when I was 16, you know, we had a, we had a radio station when I was in high school and that was educational. But when I was 16, two years or so into high school, I got paid to go on uh, Bell Fountain, Ohio and Logan County, Ohio, uh, cable vision uh, as part of a high school football broadcast. And I was just kind of the person who, who gave the stats at halftime. So I got that was really my first official paid gig when I was 16 years old. And who hired you to do that? Uh, it was it was a Bell Fountain Cable Company uh, in Logan County there. And the specific name, I'm not sure, but it was it was through Bell Fountain Cable Vision. All right. So, look, we love to not exclude education in our podcast because, look, we we believe that learning is the foundation of progress. Let's talk about Capital University. You're young. You're looking forward. Uh, what was your goal when you were at Capital University? Well, my goal there at Capital, you know, I got my was going to get my um, 
speech communications degree there. And coming out of high school, I played basketball. So I thought, you know, I had more playing basketball and doing my, my communications on my mind. The basketball worked out for one year. So I still wanted to, to get, get my communications degree and then possibly go into TV. You know, my overall goal originally was to work for ESPN. You know, and that really didn't work out because I started in high school, actually started doing sports broadcasting before music. When I was 14, I was the play-by-play voice of our high school football team on our little 10-watt radio station high school. So I thought I'd go to Capitol and then uh, go to ESPN, but the ESPN didn't work out. So I started, you know, in, in the actual radio, the music realm of radio, so to speak. All right. And, and look, just so that people know, you became the public address announcer at the university, didn't you? How did that happen? Yes. Now that, as far as a, a person that played a huge part, and I cannot thank him enough. When I was at the Capitol, he was my uh, advisor there for the communications department. His name was Dr. Armin Langholz. And he was the one that referred me in to do that. And he was a person who saw something special in me from the beginning. I remember our college class going out on a field trip, so to speak, to one of the um, news stations, I believe it was a sports news talk station. And, and as we were in the conference room, he outright recommended me to the station management for a job, which it didn't come about, but he singled me out and because and, and, he saw something in me. And that, that person, Dr. Armin Lankholz, I cannot thank enough. So interesting when somebody takes an interest in somebody who's young in our business, probably in other businesses too. And it's, it's kind of a big deal. Here's the next thing for you that's so interesting to me. I have you clocking in to a music research internship at QFM 96 next. Now, look, two questions. Are you the kind of person who can get excited about research? I'm kind of dorky like that. I can get into that pretty quick. (laughs) And what did you learn from that experience? You know, that was my actual first foray, if you will, into music research. And a big thanks there. I still remember names to this day. Uh, my advisor, Dr. Langholz, got us into that, but the supervisor there, and she was a station talent, Sue Wiggins, uh, was, was in charge of us. But that was my first, my first education, so to speak, into how music is picked to be played on the radio. And I found it very interesting. And, you know, on down the line, I went to, to work directly when I was a program director with some really nice, great consultants who showed me even more about music research, like Harry Lyles, Don Hallett, and uh, even a little bit with Earl Boston at EBI. Um, And that was just my first education in that. I just never knew back in the day at the QFM 96, we would just blindly call, this was before internet, we'd blindly call people up from the phone book, ask them if they were listeners to, of course, that station or competitor. And we would just play music hooks off the cart machine and, and we would rate the songs and, you know, on down the line, of course, now the internet is, you know, really streamlined that whole process. But that, that to me was very, it, to this day, it is interesting. Warren, it's so cool. You come on this show and mention three really superstar consultants in our business. Uh, I love that. Listen, I, I want to know, it, it looks like you did media production at Capital University was this at the same time that you were working at QFM 96? Yes, yes, it absolutely was. Now, at 
at Capitol, they didn't have an actual on-air station. They had a closed circuit station that broadcasted to the student center, and that station was only on during the second semester. So it kind of like uh, early spring through the remainder of the year, which I did work on that. But I remember this day, I had my little records that I used to love to, to collect from an early on because I love music. And I would go to the, the studios in the bottom of one of the uh, dorms, you know, in the basement there. And I would go regularly and one of the security people, the Capital, Capital University security people, I would ask them to let me in so I could practice. And I did that regularly. And they were the, the security guards. They were, were gracious enough. And it was just meant to be where they opened the door for the studio. And I would go in there and practice regularly. You know, one of the great things in our business, and again, probably other people, too, is when you find somebody who's willing to really dig in and go, go, go to learn. That's so critical. And I think we can all learn from that. And as you get older, you know, you might be a little more jaded and not do that. But that's always something that will identify you as a primary important employee. Listen, then at this point in your career comes production director of 98.3 WPKO and then 1340 WIZE. You were production there, too. Production director was producing commercials and imaging and other production. Was that exciting to you, Warren? Yes, it was. And to this day, it still is. Um, I, I just love the creativity associated with that and expanding your, your, your creative mind with, through copywriting, uh, the voiceovers. Voiceovers, I still do to this day uh, here and there, just freelance work. But I just love the creativity in that. Okay, look, I promised myself I've been thinking about this for a long time, and there's two things about this next question. One, when I first thought about this question, I thought about it in a certain way, and I thought, oh, my God, no, that's an old way to ask this question. So I really have refined this question, but it's the first time I've ever asked it of somebody on this interview, on this podcast. What was the first song that ever got your attention where you thought, oh, my God, this is for me, like a passion? Wow. Yeah. I have such a diverse taste in music, but I do remember there were, there were two, two songs and or groups. I remember going to buy at Long's music store in Urbana, Ohio. When I was a kid, I remember to this day, one of them was Rapper's Delight. And the other one, this is how diverse it is. It was a uh, journey. Um, who's crying now, you know, this in everything by journey. And I think that were either journey or Toto, but those were among the two or three first things I ever purchased uh, when I was a kid. I think that question is going to become more important as we cascade across more episodes with people, because it really kind of hones in for what passion you were into early on. Tell me about Z93 and CHR. Yes. Now that was a station that I grew up listening to. And, and basically Z93, when I went to work at WIZE, that was owned by Great Trails Broadcasting, who also owned Z93. So I let it, know, let it be known, hey, I would really like to work at this station, uh, Z93. And that was the big pop station, again, growing up when I was a kid in Urbana. I mean, that was the, the, the big stick. And, and it was just amazing when I got a chance. And thanks that the program director at that time was Jeff Ballantyne. And they, they got me down there. But I will never forget the first time I went on there, I had knots in my stomach. I was so nervous and, 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 and a feeling I never had. But that was a station I had dreamed I'd listened to 
guys like Dr. Dave and Alan Che and um, so many others. Uh, Don Shannon at night. I used to grow up idolizing him. And I'm on this station now. It was just an incredible experience. Oh, yeah. You know, look, you talk about diversity and things that you like, different kinds of music. From Z93, you end up at Oldies 92.3 WCOL. A lot of people love that station. What was it like to work there? Now, that was a different experience as well. And I, I always thank people along the way, too. Big thanks to Michael Cruz and Tony Coles, who were the program director and system program director. But as I worked at that station, and I believe that was also owned by Great Trails at the time, that was before you've got everything stored on a computer now, as far as all your music. Now, at that time, I believe we it was on uh, CDs, uh, CD carts. So I, I was kind of joking about the, with the director of programming where I'm at now to back in the day when I was working for the oldie station. You know, those oldie songs are two minutes long. So you're always scrambling, trying to get your your, your songs for your next hour. And it was just it was fun. It was a music education. But, man, getting those songs picked out on that and, and getting your, your stops at liners and everything in two minutes. It was just a fast, to me, very fast pace. Well, not only that, that's where the old nightmares of having dead air come from, right? I mean, yeah. today, things just go along on computer. Not so much back in the day, right? All right, so now we're getting somewhere. You become the program director of Power 106.3. How did that happen? What was that like for you? Yeah, that was uh, that was a dream come true, and it's something that you know I never expected. And and it was I'm going to say in the mid to early '90s, uh, Joe Woodford, who, who's uh, the late Joe Woodford, who since passed on, but he became the uh, station general manager at the time, and he saw just basically he saw a change needed to be made as far as with the current program director, and he saw my passion for what I do and, and the change that I could bring about. To the station and that opened up the doors um tremendously for me there was a joe who's no longer with us now the person who opened the door to get me at power 106 to begin with in the early 90s was a gentleman who's no longer here vince fruget and, and i will always appreciate him and his family and that's where it all started and then joe woodford promoted me up and from there it was just it was just non-stop it, it was a tremendous experience you know, it's interesting. That's a, a, a definite, definitive, bigger step up. I wonder if back in the day, long before this, you kind of thought, okay, I, I should make my way to the program director's chair, or did it just happen to you? Yes, it did just happen. You know, it just happened to me. Is I, I really didn't have any clue of where I was headed other than just being on air and wanting to make a lot of money like everybody. But I had no idea that I would I would get to that point, and it was just a blessing. All right. Now, look, you must have enjoyed programming because the next job, you became the program director of Power 107.5. Uh, how, how did you find the progression from production that you love to and on air to then programming? What was that like for you? Was that transition hard? Was there a learning curve? Yeah, it wasn't too hard. You know, with, with programming, I looked at it at the totality of it all to where, yes, we've got, you know, my early on music research that I learned even more about through the gentleman I, I mentioned earlier. But I also took a, I, I took an interest in helping develop talent and, you know, helping to try and develop the, the next big talent or the next program director as well. So I, had a, I have a 
a very keen interest in, in helping people and, and, and at that, with my program director role, helping trying to develop talent as well. Okay. Well, listen, um, you know, I, I promised you I was going to slip some left-handed questions in. And just because I know a little bit about you from your social, dude, you've got a thing for cookies, particularly a particular kind of cookie. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. I got to regulate myself know, on those things. I want to know if if we're to get into the chocolate chip cookie lane, where am I going to get the best chocolate chip cookies? Wow. You know, some of the best I think when you go to Subway and you get a sandwich, those chocolate chip cookies that come come from Subway are magnificent. Um, I would have to probably say those are, are some of the best. There's a couple of different areas, but those are some of the best. They're so soft and yeah. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about your mama or something, because the other thing I've noticed about you is that you're very family oriented. You are really tight, not just with your immediate family, but with other family you are a guy that's proud of your family and is attached to helping kind of push them forward, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, now my mom can make some good chocolate chip cookies, too. I don't want to leave her out or my wife, too. But, yeah, that's the way my dad and, and that's just how we are as a family. It was something so important to my dad. My dad was one that likes to look up family history and, and relatives and, and some of the people he's looked up. And, and some of the members of the family way back, you know, decades ago, that opened my eyes. And, and, and it was just incredible to see what some of these people did. And, and, and it's something that I, I encourage everybody to do. But that, that comes from my dad and my mom, too. But it, it's just family is, family is priority one. Absolutely. Let me ask you about your family a little bit, meaning your mom and dad, that part of your family. When you decided you were going to go into the radio lane, were they very supportive of that? What did they do for work and how, how were they, how did they reflect on you moving into the radio business? Yes, they were very, very, um, very supportive at all times. Um, education is, is a very, very big aspect in our family, without a doubt. My mom spent 35 years or more. She was a administrator in various other positions, assistant to the president at Urbana University, which has since closed. But, you know, she's, she's been on a college campus for decades. Um, and especially with my dad, uh, and he's no longer here, but my dad, towards the end there, he was on two different school boards, um, one in Belfound, Ohio, and he was, uh, I believe, 15 to 16 years on the Urbana City School Board. And unfortunately, that's as far as he gave, basically gave his life in 2016, he, we lost him in a car accident. He was on his way to a school board meeting in Bell Fountain. Um, but that education and, and they are just so proud and their support, along with my, my late grandmother's support, they were just so proud and always, always encouraged me. And, and without them, it, it just wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been possible. Warren, I'm going to say this another way. Your parents made you do the work, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They've instilled a, a serious a work ethic in me. I was working even before I got into radio when I was 16, old enough to get out there. I used to work at Wendy's, Wendy's restaurants, you know, flipping burgers and making fries. And I've always loved to work, you know. All right. So let's get back to the radio thing. Let's talk about Jammin' Oldies Magic 98.9. I want to know, did you enjoy this format? 
Yeah, that was a little different. You know, I was exposed to a little something different there, and, and I was leery at first, but I saw, and going back to the music research stuff, and, and at that time, our consultant, again, was Harry Lyles, who put that all together, and I looked at some of these songs, and I saw Sam and Dave, Soul Man, and you know, the only place I'd heard Soul Man, I believe, was on like Campbell Soup commercials. I was kind of like, this is going to sound really commercialized, <laughs> but it, it worked out well for us, really well. And then I believe Don Hallett also came in at that time and, and, and you know, enhanced a little bit. But it, it did its thing for, you know, the time it ran. It was it was, a, it was interesting interesting format come on now that sam and dave is good stuff man it's not just for uh it's not just for soup commercials for sure <laughs> so listen you you have all this experience in in production elementation but also in programming and finally now you're doing several interesting things at the same time you're the evening host at uh 96.7 or 90 what is it new 96.7 playing 70s 80s and more i want to know does that seem like a a homecoming the music to you a little bit yes it does that's an interesting question because it does you know going back to that jam and oldies format and then when i i was also in urban ac with um power 106 it's it's almost all of them combined and even going back into the qfm era you've got some some classic rock in there too or more 80s 90s classic rock so it's it's kind of just a weird juxtaposition where everything I've just about everything I've done, I'm back at it now with this particular format. Listen, you don't strike me as somebody who's very intimidating, but you have all this experience. And today you have program director, you're doing nights. Does this person come to you and ask questions? Do you find yourself mentoring other people? Uh, you know, are, are they interested in what the old guy knows? How does it work? Yeah, somewhat. Um, I've got some people that'll, that you know, ask me, you know, advice. And, and not only that, even if they don't ask, if I find that someone is is in media or majored in some sort of media, then I'll, you know, I'll dig in further and, and I'll try and network with them and try and help lift them up into, into an opportunity to get the opportunities or at least some of the opportunities that I had coming up in radio. So I kind of dig in. If I hear there's an interest there, then and I'll definitely, you know, dig in further. It's so interesting. This showed up uh, earlier uh, when you were in college and even in high school around that time uh, with Capital University and before. But now you're the public address announcer at Centennial High School in Columbus. How'd you end up doing this? And you must enjoy it, right? Absolutely. You know, actually, I'm just going back to Capital. I did it at Capital at the old alumni gym, I did men's and women's basketball and even a little wrestling and NCAA Division Three tournament opening rounds. But yeah, I just answered a, a a call for a volunteer, started out as volunteer for the Centennial High School Marching Band. So two seasons ago, I was a Centennial High School Marching Band public address announcer. I brought them on field before pregame and then there I did their halftime show. And then the next season, I came back, and the athletic director heard me, and he instantly wanted me to do the football games along with the band. Then he kept me and, and wanted me to do the uh, boys and girls basketball games as well. So it all started out with getting out and volunteering, uh, and, and then it, it, it kind of snowballed into this. Warren, I, I got to tell you to be careful. I have a friend of mine who ended up being the high school football announcer for a local high school for 45 years so 
So, you know, this could go on for a long time is what I'm saying to you. You understand, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. But so, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. It, it must give you a lot of energy to be around these people and especially young student athletes and seeing their progress. And I know that you're really into sports. And I, I swear, you know, I worked for a company in Ohio for a long time, and I feel like the whole state of Ohio is rabid for sports. Is that true? That's that's definitely true. And especially Ohio State football. That that the sports the sports here in Ohio starts at a really young age in basketball and football. You've got kids playing tackle football in second and third grade. And and of course basketball, that's you know, that's the norm. The kindergarten, first, second and third grade. So yeah, it is a huge sports state. Very good. Can you uh You know, I didn't intend to ask you this question, but you have so much experience and you've done different formats as a programmer and you've worked with some really great consultants. I wonder if you could give some advice to somebody who might be listening to this podcast and going, man, how do I get from, you know, uh, the announcer's chair to the program director's chair? Or how do I get to do this public announcing you know because some people really want to kind of take that trail you know yeah as far as the public address announcing i mean you might just have to go and knock on some doors uh, go to the athletic directors at your school uh or at a, a local school and just knock on the door and as i said just a couple moments ago it started out as volunteers so it may be a volunteer thing where you don't get paid and it may grow into something where you do get paid and, and as far as going, being in the program director's chair, one of, one of my, I call him a mentor of mine, Bishop Mel Griffin, one of the, the Sunday morning uh, gospel DJs, he would always come in and talk to me, and I'll always appreciate him as well. His piece of advice to me for everything in life, and I remember it to this day, he, he, he would always tell me, always stay coachable, always stay coachable. And, and, you know, that'll take you a long way. So, and, and then make it known, of course, if you want to, to get into being a program director, that's great. You know, make that known, but always stay coachable. Always stay coachable. This is very, that's just wisdom for anybody. And it's hard for us because, you know, one of the things I picked up on you early is that you consider yourself to be a listener. That's one of the things I think Americans do very poorly. <laughs> we all want to talk, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I think being a listener and being coachable is really interesting. Also finding a good mentor, maybe, you know, do you consider yourself to be somebody who would be a good mentor for people? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think so. I've I've got a a wealth of experience to draw from. And it's just, if if that person is really passionate about wanting to get into the business, I, I would definitely take them under my wing and give them advice. Absolutely. You've been doing this for a long time, and uh, I sense that you retired. You came out to do this job that you're in now, and I wonder what you think has been the most gratifying part of being a part of local broadcast radio. The most gratifying part to me is, you know, with working on quite a few different stations, you know, just about, I don't want to say all, majority of stations are owned by the big radio companies. And those big radio companies are all fine, but it it loses the personal touch. And I'm glad and happy to be back to what we call ourselves in my 96.7, a live and local format where you're there in your community, you're supporting your community. I can walk in the station and see the owner of the radio station from time to time there. It's just the personal touch and the personal connection. Connection would be one word that, that I'm glad to be a part of. 
Well, you know, people talk about live and local all the time. I always try to slide in being relational is really what we are. How do you make a connection with people? It seems like y'all are doing that where you're working now in a big way, right? Yes, absolutely. All right. So look, we always like to ask our our guest one question that I think a lot of people think about. I certainly think about it. I hear people talk about it all the time. We all like to speculate, even though we don't know the future. No one knows the future. But if you had the power to craft the way for it to happen the way you want it to happen, what do you think you'd like to see the future of local radio look like, Warren? Yeah, I would. That's a great question. I would like to see going back to that live and local. I would like to see a lot more local radio on air, you know, a lot more. And I, I get the going back to the Telecommunications Act, I believe, of 1996, where it just opened the door for all these big companies to buy at these stations. And it, the, the, the local personal connection, I believe, was lost. And I would just like to see a lot more of that come back because. What I tell people with the with the more local connection, the the I, I feel our communities would be stronger. They would be safer. You may maybe you would have less crime, where you would keep the kids, the kids and families overall connected to something. And I think that connection is lost. Where just our our communities would be much stronger with that. We'll see if you agree with this. It you know a lot of people don't think about this, but these independent radio stations in different markets and some of them some of the big chains too they have some great brands that do this well connect that connection to the local community a lot of people think it's a mystery like why is local radio like that why why is local radio so trusted in that way it is our connection with local wouldn't you say i absolutely i would definitely say where you've got your your local air personality right there that can be in your neighborhood or at a, a live event or at a school, you know, to put a, a, a face with a name and, and a cause. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Warren, I got to tell you, just spending this time with you, uh, it's interesting to watch your career arc and the fact that you're still giving to this business. I want to thank you for spending this time with us and being our guest. Thanks, Lloyd, for having me. It's been a pleasure. I, I, I really, you know, look forward to what the future has for local radio and hopefully for my career. Please don't take for granted what we're doing here. You can help us by sharing this episode of our podcast directly from our website. So easy to do. Go to the free blog section uh, and you can share it with others that you know that really want to take advantage of ways to get ahead in our business, experiencing these episodes one after the other after the other we have this big archive too uh just go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime you can get them there this episode of the encouragers the radio rally podcast is designed to encourage radio pros at all levels just like the 150 plus other episodes that we have waiting for you if you've not already subscribed to our podcast they're in our archive so when you do boom they'll be right there on your smartphone we want to say a very special thank you to our guest today warren stevens uh, you have to tune in sometime and check him out as the evening host at my 96.7 wdlr a very special thank you to joe kelly for producing our podcast 
and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast, The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Please listen closely. We say this all the time on our podcast. I say it to clients all the time regularly, too. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you want to know what that means, that philosophy, and how it really works, how it turns into more revenue for local broadcasters, call me, reach out in any way. It is my passion to tell you why radio can be larger than what most people think today. And I absolutely love to prove it to clients. No one can stop you if you have great strategy, solid process, and a commitment to passionate execution. If you don't remember anything else from our podcast episode today, please remember this. Be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. Now go make it a great week in local radio.